Inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. And I'm Tom McLean. <laughs> and Tom Lang, <laughs> Evie and Isaac are out on assignment this week because we're not really doing an episode. Yeah, this is us also on leave just being like, oh, we still got to work though. We still, yeah, yeah. Th- I was thinking <laughs> Our theory that. theory of labor is terrible. Fuck, I was thinking that this morning. It's just like, this is what not good enough taking a week off looks like is me just still desperately clinging to the idea of content. Content needs to be churned. It's like, let's talk into a mic. We're, we're doing a week off, yeah? Oh, yeah. We're still recording something, though. Oh, definitely. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> I think, like, for me, uh, there's just enough this week where, like, everyone's taken some time off, even even the shit cunts in politics. But there's yeah. still just, like, a couple of things that happen where it's just like, oh, that that should be chatted about because it'll probably never come up again. I do like that the leaders are on leave, that it's like y- you can tell someone's political alignment by how mad they are about each one. Yeah. Like, ScoMo's on holiday and Dan Andrews is on holiday and people are like, ScoMo shouldn't be on holiday. He should be leading. Dan Andrews deserves it. Yeah. But then, yeah, <laughs> at a state level, it's very different. All right, what about Gladys Berejiklian in New South Wales? But she caused yeah, some she, b- bad. Yeah, it's it's her fault though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It is super weird how the the political parties you can tell who actually caused a super spreader event based on their political affiliations. Liberal Party <laughs> love spreading it. Labor Party golden heroes bathed in sunlight. Whereas we at not good enough are aware that the 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 blame for who caused the super spreader event is actually your class status. <laughs> <laughs> The big one for me this week, and it's the smallest big one or the biggest small one, I haven't decided yet, but our fearless leader, Scott Morrison, changed one word in the national oh, anthem. this one. It is so, so weird. Come on. It's, this, is what, this is what I was thinking about this morning. I have to hand it to Scott Morrison in, in, in two regards. The first is that he's Australia's first posters prime minister he's not a posting prime minister we're still a little way away from that but the things that he does are for the posters i feel like and you mean like online posters not putting them up on a wall posters. not yet no um just the online the tweets and the but like everything he does even just the moronic stupid shit all the way back to like bringing coal into parliament he is just he has a laser focus on what will generate a headline but with absolutely no political fallout or like um gain everything he does is pure spectacle that will impact his life and his party's future in no way shape or form oh i really like this take mitch yeah it's just <laughs> this it's- is i thought you were like you know oh he's just a pr you know like he's only in it for the spectacle sort of thing but you're taking like you know how posting on Twitter doesn't affect the real world at yeah. all? That's Scott Morrison's approach to government. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It yeah. is things that they grab headlines <laughs> and they distract from things that might um, like cause him some political pain. But at no point does he ever get to capitalize on it. Like all the COVID safe stuff. I want you to have a COVID safe winter so we can have a COVID safe Christmas, and we got to get a COVID safe economy, and blah, 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 blah. and then just nothing. Later, there was no fallout for the Liberal Party from COVID safe. There was no dent to his political prestige. But we talked about it for a bit. And the same thing with this shit. We changed young and free to one and free, uh, which uh, a take I did like was um, Sean Bedlam from They're Gonna Kill Us, a Melbourne comedian, saying it is is a stroke of genius that he's managed to fit in the sentiments of both fuck off, we're full and fit in or fuck (laughs) off into the national anthem with one word change. Like, it is, it's fucking incredible. Um, It's also, like, such a, you know, a piece of meaningless symbolism either way. Like, you know, the the, the anthem used to say, we're young, but we're not young. We were young, but now we've grown up because, I guess, you know, 200 and something. How old's Australia? Well, this we is, don't have Isaac to tell us how old Australia is. This is the is. thing. Australia is at least 48 years old, but the main, at least, the main <laughs> thing... Is though, that when you become old? <laughs> yeah. The 48. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the cutoff. But so, so the main thing is that the, the rhetoric around it was um, we want to embrace our the like Indigenous Australians' uh, continued existence on the continent, and so saying we're young doesn't include them. And I can sort of see how, like, where that idea comes from. It's like, you know, we want to be inclusive. We want to recognise that we have a, a long storied history on this continent before colonisation. But the things you have to keep in mind is that this was first encouraged by Gladys Berejiklian from the Liberal Party in New South Wales, then picked up by Scott Morrison from the Federal Liberal Party, and he only consulted with parliamentarians. He didn't consult with anyone on country, didn't consult with charities, frontline workers, anything like that. And I've not seen one single person outside of the Liberal Party go like, oh, this is a really great first step. This is a, this is a good first thing. And that's because we've got things like the fucking cashless welfare card impacting Indigenous Australians way too much. We've got no action on deaths in custody. We've got all these problems with uh, th- this, the way this country treats Indigenous Australians that every single person looks at it and just goes, that's one word, fuckface. We do not care. That's the bit that gets me is like we, we literally don't have a treaty with our Indigenous nations. Like we are the one Commonwealth state that doesn't have that treaty. And we're like... We're we're one and free now. It's like, in, by what regard? <laughs> the, the, I I saw that criticism as well that he didn't consult with anybody before changing the name, just politicians. And it's like going around to like indigenous communities and and, and you know poor people and uh, community organisations and stuff, being like, do you reckon 120 is young? We should change that word. And everyone just being like, why are you coming to us? He's like, exactly. I'm only going to politicians. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares that he didn't consult with anybody? It's a meaningless change that that doesn't mean. It's a meaningless change that doesn't mean anything, Mitch. That's <laughs> oh, that. that's what that word means. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, like the, the the fact that he didn't consult with anyone really seems like yeah, because who gives a shit? It's it's nothing. Yeah, no one. Every everyone will just give like a huh sort of response to it. It doesn't do anything. Which, again, ties into my, like, we, we are talking about it now because it's so stupid. The media's talking about it. We're not talking about what we should be as a nation. But this won't hurt him in any way or his party because it's ineffectual. 
because it's it's it it won't it won't bring about unity either. It won't be good for the Liberal Party. That's the thing. No one's got like Kevin Rudd's apology was also a symbolic gesture, but it it did mean something more than this. That's the oh, thing. Oh, I'm I'm my brain's coming up with a a contrary take to this though that Ooh. that's maybe kind of pleasurable. So we've got, <laughs> you know, just to like have those weird contrary take chemicals in your brain's always nice. <laughs> so like, okay, so he's he's done this change that's sort of meaningless. It's sort of like you know um, Tony Abbott giving the knighthood to Prince Philip, right? Which is like, okay, that <laughs> means nothing. It says nothing about. Australia or Prince Philip or knighthoods, the only thing is a sort of like a personal dumb sort of humiliation that Tony Abbott put on himself that we all just sort of laughed at him for a couple of months. And then, you know, now it's just like a bit of a gag that you you can put in your podcast a few years later and be like, haha, remember that. Right. Scott Morrison's done the same thing with changing the word of the national anthem. But, you know, (laughs) <laughs> Tony Abbott, when he gave the knighthood to Prince Philip, didn't enshrine that mistake in the national anthem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> 20 years from now, we'll be singing the national anthem. We'll be like, one and free. You remember when ScoMo changed that because he was such a fucking useless piece of shit? <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> he's just like, and I've written this in history with pen. Like, what? Dumbass. Okay, so so this is this is the thing. So... A couple of things I didn't know about, again, because I don't care. It's never impacted my life in any way, shape, or form. And I think this, again, speaks to how Scott Morrison operates. But the national anthem was only made our national anthem in 1984, which is wild to me. This is like finding out that John Howard changed the official day of Australia Day to the 26th in the 90s in some point. Like, we haven't had it this long. It was only around five years before I was born as the official national anthem. And the other- Hold on a second, because the, for the international listener as well, our national anthem's a bunch of shit. Oh, like, it sucks. The, it for sucks. the international listener, our opening jingle is the national anthem. Like, it's <laughs> it's really just like, Australians all that Like, there's just like got this really plodding pace to it. Well, hopefully, I'll, I'll actually end it, get, up a, get up an edit and we can uh, we can hear a little bit of the, of the start of the national anthem at the start of the episode. So, hopefully, oh, our fun. international li- listeners will have already heard the stirring rendition of Advance Australia Fair. The only way the, the, the anthem makes sense, though, is if you say it in a British accent, because it still definitely is like, we're pretty British still. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I love about it being written in 1984 is you can put it in a musical context well, when no. the national anthem became Australia's national anthem. <laughs> when Doves Cry was at the top of the billboard. What's <laughs> no, love got to do with it? It wasn't written then. Like, well, said, it was written ages and ages ago, but we had God Save the Queen as the official anthem. But thinking about thinking about the Prime Minister hearing when doves cry and being like, I should change the anthem, I really should. <laughs> it's time. Oh man. God save the Queen really seems out of date now that now that what's love got to do with it is at the top of the charts. We've really got to modernize the anthem. Then he hears Fuck Advanced sake. Australia Fair on the wireless and he's like, Oh, this is it. This is the one. You're gonna want to hear this. This was supposed to be. This was supposed to be a quick fucking. Uh, it was supposed to be five minutes. You can't stop. Not good enough. You can't stop it. I thought it was like um, let's go for as long as we want, but like not worry about it too much. Look, so it's open riffs over here. Done. Um. So so this, this is this is the thing with Scott Morrison in particular doing this though. I had 
absolutely no idea that this particular thing happened. But when Bob Hawke died um, a couple of years ago, uh, last year, um, Scott Morrison had an impromptu eulogy. Um, There's footage of him, like you can hear an airport in the background. It sounds like he's about to get on a plane to go somewhere. And he's asked about Bob Hawke's death. Now, obviously, politicians have things sort of prepared but he 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 has a half prepared speech about Bob Hawke just talking about the life and times of one of the most beloved ex prime ministers in the country and during this talk during this little speech he mentions one of the most memorable things that Bob Hawke did was was change the words of the national anthem which like I don't think anyone alive either knows about that or or cares. But he, he do you want to do you want to have a quick listen to it? Oh yeah. Bob lived a full life. He lived a rich life, and in his life he blessed many others. And for that, I think as Australians, we can give him great thanks. One thing I remember amongst many, it was Bob Hawke who changed our national anthem to say, "Australians all." Let us rejoice. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's so proud of the fact that Bob Hawke did a little fiddling with the national anthem. And again, so this is the second thing. I mentioned the, like, uh, Scott Morrison is like a poster's prime minister. But the other thing is that all credit to him, in his dumb little lorikeet brain, he has a very vague idea of what a good leader of this country is. And like... It is focused on absolutely meaningless crap, like changing the national anthem. But he has he has always thought that. This wasn't spur mm. of the moment. Back in 2019, one of the things he could think of was, Bob Hawke was good. What do you do? Change the anthem. It's his legacy forever. Yeah. And since then, he's just <laughs> been looking for this, like, can, can I do that? Can I be a good leader as well? It's like, no. Bob Hawke did stuff for, for the workers. He did some shit things, but he did things for workers. He did things for healthcare. It's like, yeah. He sculled a bunch of beers. <laughs> yeah, he at least he at least wasn't a big wuss. But like <laughs> Scott Morrison has just had this idea. He at for least so participated long. in Australia's deeply ingrained culture of alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that also blew my mind as just like, fuck, he's been thinking about this forever. He just has this warped idea of whatever the fuck a leader is. And it's, you know, I changed a word. Pretty good. Change the whole anthem. What's the matter with you? The anthem sucks. That's what I'm mad about. Changing one word. Ch- like, not even like, uh, you change the whole lot because the anthem is so particularly bad. But if you're going to change it, lean in. <laughs> yeah. But again, he can't lean in because that might have ramifications, good or bad, for him and the Liberal Party. If he changes it and everyone loves it, then they're going to look at him and go, do something else good. And he doesn't. He can't <laughs> do that. He'll freak out. It has to be meaningless. It has to be... like. And I think lacking meaning is one thing, but it's also like... I'm trying to think of the word, like it's lacking substance or it's lacking affect or it's lacking, um, like, he can't do anything that will change anything. And that's like, I think that partly could like mm. conservatism, but everything has to remain in stasis while he just sort of shifts things around. That's it. I've just, I've just clicked through from the Wikipedia page showing me the top singles from 1984 <laughs> to this year's top singles. And I'm just like, what, what would be good as a national anthem, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, watermelon sugar. There's one with completely meaningless lyrics. That we could adopt. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of it being like 
some sort of dance anthem and we kid, we teach kids to shuffle. Like when I was in primary school, we used to all have to like line up on, at assembly across the like two basketball fields and like there'd be a flag raising ceremony and there'd be the national anthem and this like marching band, which thinking about it now, I would love to actually visit my old primary school and see these like eight to 12 year olds in the marching band and just how fucking shit it would be. Like at the time I thought it was pretty cool, but I really want to hear eight to 12 year olds butcher the national anthem. <laughs> little brass instruments a little snap but it'd be cool like you just have like the national anthem is a dance song and just all these tiny little kids shuffling on the on the on the on the basketball court. just a like, crowd of primary schoolers just like dirging out blinding lights by the weekend <laughs> just completely out of obligation no enjoyment in it like all the parents like oh nice that's yeah. cute I think something else that needs to be covered, well, should be covered this week, but I think, you know, you're going to hear a lot more about it in the fucking year coming up, is that the Liberal Party cut JobSeeker, like they were threatening to do, gone from yeah. 250 to 150 a fortnight. It is already just terrifying people. I've seen a couple of news articles with, you know, like like the personal pieces that they do, which is just like, yeah, here's, here's this couple, and their quote is, this will destroy us. Ah, pretty bad. Like, f- f- this, is, yeah. this is like something that I, I, I spoke about um, when I was on the drum recently, is we had this economist on there, a financial reporter, senior economics editor at one of the major papers, talking about, you know, we've got this problem with the deficit that needs to be paid, and we've got the budget that will be coming through, and then the cuts that will get jobs back, blah, blah, blah. And like... Can we, for the love of fuck, just keep in mind that we're humans talking to humans about other humans? Like yeah. we re- like the like the poverty porn is a thing. Um, but even when we're just talking about the pure economics of it, we we show twenty twenty showed us that we could pretty quickly and fairly effortlessly raise the rate of welfare in this country to be above the poverty line. And yet, for some reason, there's still a bunch of people talking about like, well, yes, it'll plunge 1.2 million people back below the poverty line, and the, but, the, but the benefits to the economy will be... Sh- there's, no, there's no benefits in the, the human cost of this. We need to talk yeah. about that first, and then we can go, fuck, how are we going to keep people above the poverty line while fixing the economy? Surely there's got, we should figure out something else. Because we can't let people fall below the poverty line. It's the poverty line. <laughs> That's the thing is like this this idea that like oh we need to figure out how to keep people above the poverty line while also fixing the economy as though like what the fuck is the economy measuring if not how well people are doing oh, GDP. like you look at that in in America where it's like yeah they're having clearly a massive economic crisis mixed with obviously the public health crisis but they're like oh but our economy's doing well like wh- yeah. where yeah. Like, you, you, you're just pointing at like a board that you've written the biggest number you can think of on it and being like, isn't that a big number? <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's insane that that is our metric of how well a country is going is just the, like the, t- the high level shuffling of numbers. Like it's not even the low level. If, even if we want to talk about the shuffling of numbers at the level of like baristas and fast food workers and people getting sick with minor issues, the, the economy is not doing well. We're not in a good spot. Our welfare system is not doing well. But like, I think I think it's just this. You know, we love we love a hard number. We love a solid sort of metric. Yeah. But even then. It's selective. This is the thing that got me, and I wish I went a bit harder on um, the the economics editor, was when he was talking about how, you know, the 
we should I, I, we could reframe the, the the conversation, Mitch. You're right, but you know someone's going to have to pay for it later. It's like, are we? America has been in quote unquote debt for fucking decades, forever. But it's got trillions of dollars worth of like of debt at the moment, and it doesn't matter. It's not real. Also, like the people who are in poverty now to keep your you know quote unquote economy good sounds like they're paying for it now. Yeah. Like, someone's going to have to pay for it later. Someone's already paying for it. The people who are in poverty. The, the thing is, like, if you've got your GDP as, like, roughly a shorthand for, like, how well all of the sort of companies and stuff are, like, trading money around between each other. It's, you know, it's, like, a bit of a shorthand for profitability, that sort of thing. We know that a corporation can increase its profitability by mistreating its workers. So... You can say, like, oh, if, if you're not sort of really making sure that your workers' rights are really, really solid, GDP is just a shorthand for how much your workers are being mistreated. The more you mistreat them, the higher your number goes. Yeah, exactly. Like, fuck that. It's a worthless metric. Yeah. I think I do think it is used, you know, this is the, like, slightly more conspiratorial tone, but it is used to make sure people don't really question the suffering of others. Like if you mm. if you if you can point to just enough people and say you're doing okay and reflected in that is uh, you know country's number go up then you're good and so there's some other people that are doing some other stuff and that might suck for them but well oh, you know what overall things are looking good it's like no overall things are kept in check by unions and legislation that favors workers and yeah. a robust healthcare and welfare and education system like this is nothing to do with that like moving of capital at the at the top end and and this hmm. is the thing as well you could trace a line i've been doing a lot of marxist theory over the break but like you can, <laughs> you, can, you can trace a line between like potential profitability and like surplus value decreasing as workers get more rights but i don't think anyone but the most craven pieces of shit at the top are going to look at the weekend and sick leave and holiday leave and be like ah oh, it's ruined the bloody nation yeah like they can't say that they want some of them want to but they can't say that well i mean you look at the people who like slash penalty rates and stuff they they were saying that it's because they don't well, view yeah. workers as people. They're like, oh, you know, you've got to have people working on a Sunday. Otherwise, where would you get your coffee on a Sunday? We want to have brunch. Oh, it's no. like, what are the what are the people who are who's serving you brunch, bro? If you if you're trying to enjoy your Sunday morning, someone else has to work. That's your yeah. See, McLean, that's your fucking logic. We're we're back at our universal fight forever, where you're going to say that they don't see them as humans, and I'm going to say that they hate them, and they <laughs> and they think that they should work on a Sunday. Because they're useless shits that wouldn't be doing anything anyway, and they deserve to be up early to feed me. That's the only way that they will have a strong moral core, is that they're forced to work shit hours on bad days. Yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a direct quote from whoever you don't Yeah, like. no, I really reckon they just don't... They just see him as an animal. They're, they're just like, you know, oh, we're not worried about the welfare of the horse when we're riding it, we're just, you know, you just move as fast as you can, then you kill it with a shotgun after it breaks its leg, and then you get another one. It's fine. Nah. Sadistically, I want to whip that horse because it looked at me funny. <laughs> Why is that horse gorgeously putting its head through the window of a morn and stealing an apple, making the kids squeal with delight? Fuck you, horse. That's, I don't know where we got <laughs> Mitch's to. Mitch's theory look, that the jockeys hate the horses. <laughs> they fucking do! <laughs> They're whipping anyway, them out of spite. Look at a jockey and look at a horse. Which is more majestic? That's all I'll say. Now. The- <laughs> 
<laughs> so the <laughs> jockeys are jealous of horses is my bold new take <laughs> for 2021. <laughs> Forced to get haircuts and all. Anyway. Um, so as, I as wish a- I was a horse. <laughs> so good. All the salt I could want for. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, a, a thing with all of this—that's <laughs> dumb so as dumb. fuck. We, this is, we need everyone else. Um, <laughs> but so for for th- for this app, as loose as it is, I think another thing for everyone listening is just go to the Australian Unemployed Workers Union website, A-U-W-U, and just see what they're doing and see how you might be able to help because it's fucking important. If you are looking at a really bad situation with welfare being cut, join up with them and start working with them. If you're not in a precarious position, which is fucking really good and lucky, then just at least consider donating to them because they're really going to need the um, the support. And yep. the, the other part of that as well is that like the money's being cut now, which gives us two months until the eviction moratorium is up. That's ending in March. Um, so at the moment, you just you can't be evicted from your home um, if you can show pretty pretty easily that it's to do with um, like COVID. But then also even then, you really just can't be kicked out at the moment. And but there there are people that didn't have a rent reduction. They had a rent deferral. So at the moment, they could owe hundreds or thousands of dollars that the landlord in March is going to be like, all right, pay me back now or now I can just evict you because you didn't pay me rent during during the, the COVID lockdown. And so with the, the job seeker, the, the welfare payments being cut, we're going to see more people have their money and ability to pay rent slashed at a time when a lot of people are conceptualizing as COVID being over, and they're looking at it being like, well, like you don't need a rent reduction. We're through the worst of it. What's the issue? And uh, I mean, I, I am a member. I'm a proud member. And I think everyone should be a member too if you're renting. The Renters and Housing Union are gearing up through 2021 to smash this eviction moratorium as hard as we can. Um, we're going to need a lot of support. If you can donate like monthly, if you can become a due paying member, that's good. But Rahu is a member run union. If you have any skill set whatsoever, hit the union up and come on board and do shit. That's what I started doing. I was just like, hey, I can do this, 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 and this. Is there a spot for me to do stuff? And they're just like, yes, of course there is. We're a tiny new union and there's a lot of shit going on. Um, mm. And even if you don't think you have a skill set that you could contribute to, just have a chat with us because 100% you do. Like there is something for someone to do in, in, in Rahu. And I just think more renters need to be aware that there is a, a union, which is again, just a group of people standing up for each other. Um, and I think that's going to be really important to know you're supported. Even if you never have to like use us directly, like it's important to just know that there's a group of people that are just like, Oh hell yeah. I want to stand up for you. I'll help fight for you. I'll give you some support. Like, yeah, I'm, fu- I'm fucking terrified of the eviction moratorium, man. It's, I just, I don't know what's going to happen with it. Like, I think populist Scott Morrison will potentially step in to put some sort of ban on it. And I think it'll just be, um, I think it'll just be debt in perpetuity. I reckon that'll be the way forward. Is that if you've got a debt through 2021, all right, no eviction. That's all good. That's all good. But that debt 
is going to attract a high interest rate and you can just pay it off in increments every month for the rest of your life. Yeah. I reckon it's going to I reckon there's going to be some measure of just chaos as, you know, like the if if a shitload of evictions happen all at once, like it, it sort of drives up demand for rentals and people can sort of ostensibly put prices up, but everyone who's going to be looking for rentals is going to be sort of dirt poor. So, yeah. You know, you know whatever, like I think you can't underestimate also just landlords just willingness to shoot themselves in their own feet. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it, it's not even like oh the only thing they care about is money because they they don't like this is a friend of mine um, just recently tried to negotiate a rent reduction because she couldn't afford the sort of the current rate of of, of rent in her apartment. Yeah. And the landlords were like, "Oh, we'll have a look. Yeah, we can only we can only afford a ten dollar a week rent reduction. That's that's it. Like we, you know, we'd love to offer more, but we really just can't afford more than ten dollars a week." And she's like, "Well, I can't afford that, so I'm I have to move out." And they were like, "Yeah, we can only afford a ten dollar a week reduction. Sorry." And so she moved out. And just last week, we saw on the friggin' real estate page your website that they've 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 advertised her apartment. It, 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 you know, $40 a week less because fucking she was paying hell. a high rent. Like, they've... <laughs> fucking Also, hell. she moved out. They're, they're getting no rent at all for the last month. So, <laughs> whatever. Like, what have you done? You've cost yourself thousands of dollars for no reason. What, <laughs> what is the logic there? That's... What, are they, what do they hope to gain? They're just stupid. Money! They, no, but they, they clearly didn't... They couldn't get money out of that. They lost a lot of money yes. off that. And there was no way that they could have got more money because she couldn't afford it. And she was up front with that. Yeah, that's what they hope to gain. And you also, as you also said, they're fucking idiots. Yeah. But this is the thing for me. Those landlords and that real estate, whatever the situation was, should face VCAT for that. They should face court for that. They did not negotiate in good faith. And now you have evidence to it. And now they're just going to fuck over some other renters. This is the thing. They should be held to account. Well, I think that they did negotiate in good faith. I think that they really did look at their papers and were like, oh, well, you know, this is what we can afford. And so they offered that uh, without sort of factoring in that their tenant might move out and then they get nothing. Uh, fuck Even though she was very upfront with yeah, them. Yeah. Like, I think that they were negotiating in good faith and just couldn't comprehend a world where they lose money on a real estate investment. Yeah, they they looked at the like papers that they currently had and said, like, well, yeah, when we have a tenant paying rent, we can only afford $10 reduction. And you're a tenant paying rent, so that's what we can offer. And then they move out and they'll be like, ah, oh, shit, what can we now afford now that we don't have any income from renters? Ah, it's a $40 reduction. I fucking bet the owners are bloody posting on Facebook like it's a calamity that befell them that was just like, oh, and another thing this year is out. We've lost this source of income. What are we supposed to do? These bloody renters with no respect. Like, yeah. you did it to yourself. I'm getting mad at them for some hypothetical Facebook posts. That have <laughs> no way of knowing that they've... <laughs> well, here's something you can get like legitimately mad about because it's just, you know, by definition. Ooh, hit me up. It's just that the thing that I keep coming back to and the thing that I'm really proud about with Rahu... And the thing that I am always thinking about that always gets me angry in a really sort of like energetic way is that housing is a human right. And these people have decided to turn shelter into investments. You can Mm. just be angry at that. If you got into the housing market and you own more than one house as an and the second one or more is an investment. You are just a piece of shit for that. You might be really nice outside of that. You might be trying to make money in a way that is, you know, uh, what, what should have been a, a sure thing. And that's fine. 
But it is like taking a supply of water and siphoning it off and then selling it back to the people that need it. No, you don't get to do that. I understand mm. that the T- Costello era tax cuts made it a really attractive option, and that's what they wanted to do with this country. They wanted to make the bedrock of our economy housing. I get that. But if you have taken people's homes and made that your investment, made that your income and your life support, that's just disgusting. I'm sorry. Even if you had the best intentions. My partner and I are trying to figure out ways now where we could like potentially help people that can't afford houses get into housing because people are paying rent that's you know equivalent to a mortgage. We just can't save up the deposit, blah, blah, blah. And we just keep coming back to the fact that we're just fucking landlords. And you can't be a good landlord by definition. Housing is a human right. And if you are engaged in a capitalist system of sh- like using shelter to make profit, that's just immoral. You've taken away someone's right to shelter and hidden it behind a paywall. Yeah, I mean, there's the there's the the thing of like, oh, we're providing housing sort of thing. But it's like the only way that rent works is you have the threat of eviction if they don't pay the rent. Yeah. And so the, the, the source of your income is not the house. It is the threat. You're not providing housing to anyone. You're providing a threat to remove housing from people. I've, I think that I would honestly be fine with a landlord system like... Somebody owns the house, and when you sign on, you you pay rent sort of thing, but you cannot be evicted for any reason. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Just like, yeah, you're in, you you owe us the money in the same way, because we have systems to, you know, let people have ongoing debts. (laughs) We've got plenty of those. So, you just say, yeah, you can live in the house for as long as you want. If you would prefer the flexibility of renting over the... um, you know, the, 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 the certainty of owning, but it's, you know, you, you have to find a blah, 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 yeah. right? Like, that is a real thing that a rental real estate system provides, and I will happily acknowledge that. But if you, if you just remove the, the threat of eviction, just say, look, while you're renting this house, it's your house. You can put paintings up on the walls. You can have pets. You can, you know, remodel things, whatever. You can't get evicted. It's your house. And then when you stop renting... You know, you, you stop renting, you, you, you move, move out, find somebody else. That, that, that's fine with me. I, I don't have a problem with that. It's just the, the threat aspect of it. And if you're like, oh, how would it work if you didn't have the threat? I don't know. <laughs> it's not my responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pointing out the bit that's wrong. <laughs> it's like if somebody comes in and they're like, to your, you're a doctor in this scenario, and they've got like, oh, a bunch of just like rotten flesh. And you're like, all right, we've got to carve that off, first of all. And they're like, oh, but how will I get healthy? I don't know. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's fix the problem first, and then you can sort out your life. I think the thing is, though, like we do have good models that we can look at overseas like this is the thing the pain point i always come back to is when americans look at their own healthcare system they just for some reason fail to see how the rest of the world operates quite happily the the western world at least with pretty Mm. good universal healthcare in australia we look at the housing market and the cost and the the price of houses and go ah well that's just how it is pretty bad and like you look at places like germany that have really good rental protection it's like what just that Let's just do that. Let's just have more public housing owned by the government um, for people that really need housing straight away. I, I really reckon there was a German socialist listening to this who just threw something across the room. Yeah, <laughs> good. We're fixing the problem first. But yeah, we, we've got we've got ways that we can move forward that would help people. But I mean, one of the one of the main top level things is just making housing a less attractive investment. 
That'll mm. bring the cost of housing down. It will mean landlords have a better idea of their position in society, morally. Like, it is... <laughs> Scum. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah. but if we, ha- if we went to your system then it would be more attractive for charities to get involved in this. It'd be more attractive for philanthropists to get involved in this. And people, if, if you had like a, a second property that you were renting out, you would do it for different reasons other than, I'm going to turn a quick profit. It's like, fuck off and go invest in the stock market. These are people's homes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's just wrong. But again, this is a system level. I can't begrudge most people, some people, at the personal level for what they do. Some of them are fucking assholes. Some of them are really nice. But the issue is we have a system set up where even really, really nice people can be in a position where it's legitimately a, a, a an attractive proposition to start renting out properties. And it's like, it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. I think that there's a real thing of, like, our society... I'm getting real philosophical on this one. Our, our society is Take that genuinely okay with a lot of, like... Just moral corruption if you make money from it. They're yeah. like, I know that it's morally really corrupt, but I'm making money from it. So, you know, uh, it's okay. And this is like even sort of people who sort of purport to be fairly nice or think about what they're doing sort of thing. That's like, it's, it's the same sort of moral equation as like buying clothes from a place that you for sure know uses slave labor, but... Oh, look, those clothes are just cheaper, man. I can't be spending $200 on a jacket. I can get my $40 jacket here. And I know that it doesn't have an ethical production line, but, you know, it's so much cheaper. Look, I can't be blah, 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 blah. Like, that sort of moral math is the same sort of thing. Like, obviously, like, you know, I'm on board that, you know, it'd be lovely if people had better renting rights, but I, I need a safe investment. Yeah. It's like that that doesn't make it okay that you got paid to be evil. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it worse, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in good news though, uh globally uh, the world's emissions through lockdown worldwide only dropped by seven percent, so the problem is large companies not being legislated against. That's all. <laughs> no um, riffs on that one. Just a just a just a hard pivot into the other thing that I wanted to mention in this super quick episode, which is just going to be full length now. I think um, <laughs> this is something that I know, especially Lang hits super hard, and I fucking love him for it. Is that like every single time you see someone try to say, "Hey, how are you reducing your carbon footprint? H- have you thought about having a meat free Monday? Hey, why don't you cycle instead of drive?" We have, in a completely unexpected twist coming out of the the last decade, (laughs) a year where we actually had a really good experiment take place. We had most of the Western world locked down in some form or another. We had people driving so much less. We had distribution chains change to accommodate essentially less carbon emissions because it was all sort of centralized and going out in a more... um, uh, a patterned way. We had people working from home, so the commutes were down. We had all of these things take place, which should be an amazing moment to go, holy shit, emissions are dropping so much. It's within our grasp. We can do it. And all these reports have come out now saying that essentially it's around about 7% of all global emissions dropped, like as, a, as, a, as an aggregate. And Look, Lang's not here to give us the facts and Isaac's not here to fact check, but I'm pretty sure 7% (laughs) is not enough. 
We yeah, locked no, we down do the Western <laughs> world. We locked down parts of the Western world and it only dropped by 7%. The, and, and the thing is as well, the reports that I'm reading on this, are un, they are unequivocal in that what needs to take place is changes to legislation. It is big polluters at the, at the highest end of the corporate world, business world, need to be locked down with law changes in every major country. That is the only thing mm. that we'll go through. But like, I don't know, we'll, we'll get into this more through the year, obviously, but like Scott Morrison paying uh, fuel producers and subsidizing coal plants and then not giving anything to renewable energy. Like that's all, that's what this is. That's all mm. this is at this point. So do not ever feel like what you can do as an individual on the individual level will make a difference. What you can do as an individual at the collective level Fuck yeah, that's what we can do in the next few years and over over the next decade. But don't feel like, oh, I I need to get my carbon footprint down and then stop. If you want to get your carbon footprint down, highly recommend it. We all need to. It's a good thing to do. It's both morally and environmentally a good thing to do. But don't feel like that's where this starts and finishes. Absolutely yeah, personal not. responsibility is a myth. If you just break into a fossil fuel executive's home and murder him by yourself, you're going to get caught. It's not going to go well. <laughs> but if you do it in a big gang, <laughs> your chances are way better. <laughs> oh, but McLean... Look, the only thing I'll push back against that is that if there will be someone else to take his place. And I think you'll have to commit maybe like seven to ten murders before that company gets the idea and they stop putting people in those positions. But that's the thing. You just need to get rid of those positions, not the people that are in them. You need to get rid of those companies, not the not the people that run them. I mean, Though you need to start said, somewhere. Yeah, Mitch, that said, if you... Were- <laughs> <laughs> Look, it worked for the French and the Russians. I'm just saying, let's give it a chance. There's nothing off the table. <laughs> Who would have thought that the Super Loose episode is the one that just gets ki- gets us kicked off all of the streaming platforms? Gets I'm not saying that anyone should do anything. I'm saying that if a single person raided an executive's home, it wouldn't go well, and that's a fact. And I think <laughs> if somebody's going to hop on, oh, McLean, they'd be very successful, I think you'd find. Like, no, no. What if they're John Wick? Fuck off. I'm trying to... <laughs> Um, But I mean, yeah, so in terms of what we can do moving forward into 2021, like, again, we've talked about it a lot, but change banks and change super, that's a big thing. The investments Mm. are already changing. I, I mean, if you have your own investments, say you own an investment property, sell it. Make sure you don't sell it to another investor, but sell it to uh, uh, someone who wants to own a home and then put all of your money into green tech of different types. Um, Because like, I'm not a financial expert. I'm not giving financial advice, but from the shit I've been reading in The Guardian, it seems like a pretty good bet to take your money out of fossil fuels and into green technology. Like I've seen a lot of economists like pulling chunks of hair out at a time, screaming into the cameras, being like, no more fossil fuel. And I think that's a good indication that even the money is going away from fossil fuel at the moment. Mm. I would say also if you have, you know, your, your properties set up so that you can live it in and you have your own home and then you've also got an investment property, you, you can just give that investment property to uh, the indigenous people of your area because it's theirs. That's Yep, do that. You should just do that. That That's a real movement. People do do that. You're not going to be the first person to do that. There are people who are like, I own this land, but it's not mine. So I'm going to give it back to the people whose it is. You can just do that. 
you want to make a? Do you want to make predictions for the year? Um, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just finally, too, on this definitely not short episode. Um, look, we want to thank everyone that has listened, that has shared us, that has helped us expand this dumb little thing that started off as a way of us, you know, essentially just spending more time together from a group chat, like yelling at each other and into the void and sort of feeling more unified in, in what we were doing. And because of... Your support, literally just listening now is a, is a form of support. The downloads count. Thank you. Number go up. Um, <laughs> we are looking at a 2021 that should be really cool for Not Good Enough. We've got a bunch of different things that we are planning on rolling out through the year. We've got a bunch of really cool guests lined up. Um, and it's genuinely exciting to look at the year ahead, as fucked as it might be, but to think that we might be able to you know, contribute in our own little way to the things that we feel like should be contributed to by someone. And so, you know, thank you for listening, for for sharing, and for a, lo- a lot of the people that, you know, like our podcast, do tend to spruik us, which is really, really nice, and it's really humbling, and we appreciate it quite a bit. Yeah. Thanks. Real descent, though. I think that we're not really... No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it positive. No doomers. <laughs> the name of the podcast is not good enough because it's a, a built-in acknowledgement that podcasting is nowhere near adequate no, for what needs to happen. It absolutely isn't. But if we can be a stepping stone for literally anything else, then good. We are like a little handrail on the side of the ramp where the stepping stones start. I think that's where, where that where that part of the handrail that starts before the stepping stones, that little curve. Yeah, yeah. Where the where the ornamentation on the handrail to the stepping stones to any type of effective action. A little bit that makes getting onto the stepping stones maybe a little <laughs> bit easier. We're a sign that points oh out where the stepping stones are. Where that's- that where that little like helpful, well-meaning hand on the lower back that doesn't really help as you start up the step. <laughs> <laughs> we're just the, it's we're a just guiding the rein- hand. Yeah, we're the reinforcement of things you already thought about. We're not getting any young IPA listeners in. <laughs> we're just ah, oh, other people agree with you. Yeah, on you go. <laughs> I think we are real nice as a podcast goes, and the sort of amount of impact that a podcast has <laughs> sort of caps out before it hits one. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. And then like actual action starts from there. Yeah. But we're hopefully we encourage people to, to think about starting yeah. to act. Yeah. That's yeah. But personally, I don't but know. Personally. I like it. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> it's my little joy. <laughs> that's also fun. I think that's the the thing we always come back to like we're a comedy podcast. Like we are. We're yeah. we we want to educate and radicalize, but we're comedians. <laughs> that's that's our skill set. And yeah. so we're like, look, we can at least make this. How's that for humbling? <laughs> hey, you fuck. I gotcha. <laughs> I don't need to be- No, I am also gratitude, great, grateful to all of our listeners. It's It's been a, a lovely ride. Yeah, I didn't come into this thinking I needed to be humbled by a co-host. What the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode. We don't have to do this this week. We already nah. just did the thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. No sign off. <laughs> Done. That was lovely.
Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their oldest past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.